0: Welcome to the sixth episode of the Equip to Heal podcast. I'm Alistair Mitchell-Baker and this podcast is all about equipping and encouraging people in their journey in the Christian healing ministry. This week we've got a wide-ranging interview with Phil Jump, Regional Minister from the Northwestern Baptist Association. I love his emphasis on inviting God into our situations. Um. It's really encouraging. I know we've got the usual question and testimony. Hope you're going to enjoy it. Phil, good morning. Thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, Good morning, Alistair.
0: It's great. It's great to have Phil with us. Phil is uh, a regional minister for the Northwestern Baptist Association uh, in England. So he looks after... um, much of the beautiful uh, North Wales, North West, Merseyside and around absolutely. that. absolutely Delightful place, Alistair. Delightful place.
1: How long have you been there in that role, Phil? Uh, well, I have been doing this job now for well eight, over 18 years. And of course, uh, I guess it's quite unusual for me as a Baptist minister because I actually live in the town I grew up in. Um, wow. so I've, I spent most of my life. I, I, I always say that I spent 13 years as a missionary in the southeast. And uh, then came back to to God's own country back up north. Right,
0: right. Have you always been a Baptist minister? What did um, you
1: do? No I, <laughs> no, I, I don't think you're quite born a Baptist minister. I, I, I was a child for a while. <laughs> um, but I, I, um, I try. I guess I am a typical child, uh, a sort of young adult of the 1980s, um, when I, I sort of grew up in an environment where all boys did did engineering and electrical engineering and computers were all coming out and so i studied electrical engineering uh at liverpool polytechnic as it was then and then actually went in into a career in marine engineering so that was uh, what i was doing until my my late 20s uh, when i trained at spurgeons college and then uh, became a baptist minister from there
0: great great well thank thanks for joining again it uh Obviously, we're wanting to explore the issues of uh, around healing. And I and I, you know, intrigue just to somebody like yourself who's been brought up, trained at Spurgeon's um, mm-hmm. famous Baptist uh, college and then has been a, both a church minister and, and now a, a regional minister. What What's your understanding of, of healing, Phil? And how does that fit into what you think the calling of uh, local church and believers is?
1: Well, I guess you, after such an introduction, you'd expect me to offer a reasonably theological answer. Um, and I think that that is true for me. I mean, I, I think healing has to be a defining issue in, in our understanding of faith and our understanding of ministry. Now, I say that recognising that there will be those who might have, should we say, a more metaphoric understanding of that and those who might yeah. have more literal understanding. But I don't think any of us can escape the idea that it should be a defining element uh, in in our understanding of ministry and of Christian faith. And I say that because for me... I think we encounter healing if this makes sense almost at two levels um, in in our theology and in our understanding of the ways of god, and so you 've got these big big statements like in the in paul 's letter to the Colossians where he speaks of God in Christ reconciling all things, or you get these statements in in books like the Book of Revelation about the healing of the nations, and so if you like, there is an image of God who is in the business of putting things right of of putting this disordered creation right and and that's what i would call the mega level um yeah. then when you look at the narratives of the new testament and the old testament um at a more personal level you just, you know, you can't follow the story of Jesus. You can't follow the ministry of Jesus and not come across these people who are blind, who are, are, are infirm, who in very many different ways are, are suffering physically and, and not recognize the fact that, that Jesus heals them. So to me, you have this this twin track, if that makes sense, defining narrative that on the one level you've got the big story. And then you've kind of got the, the individual experiences. And, and I think that for me is quite important because I think it's always easy to look at a story, a local story, a local set of events, and to take them out of context and to maybe build into them or see in them things that were never intended to see there. But I think if we hold up those healing miracles of Jesus against that bigger backdrop, it kind of says, yeah, these, the, you know, these these two things belong together. Um, so for me, that's quite important.
0: That's 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 really helpful, I, I, indeed. I, I, for many many years, Isaiah sixty one was the kind of core um, kind of mission of my life, and I understood it in terms of how uh, God was going to bring uh, reconciliation and healing, healing and freedom, particularly in organisations and the workplace, and and because that was my that was my work. That was my passion was about work and workplaces being great places for people to work. And I kind of understood healing at that kind of organizational mega level. And, and I guess the last 10 years for me, it's been and it's also the personal level. But uh, but but we always have those multiple levels, don't we? Mm-hmm. Individual, organizational, societal and indeed, you know, God, the whole of creation crying out. For healing, yeah. as it
1: were. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that's a really interesting sort of angle of conversation, really, because I I think there are occasions, and and you know I, I guess we've all got stories of this when people talk about divine healing or Christian healing, and kind of set it over against some of the uh, the more um institutional, for want of a better word. Um, narratives of healing, and it was quite interesting for me when, when I was relatively young as as a minister, probably two or three years into ministry, my daughter broke her arm, and right. um, I, I, as you do, the fir- you know the first thing I did was not prayed actually, it was dialed nine nine nine, and sort of sent for the NHS. Um, but, But, what was interesting was as as we sat in the plaster room uh, and i 've never been in a plaster room before, and of course you you realize these people who who do amazing jobs of sort of building these plaster casts, and I guess. That I don't know. You probably know better than I do, Alistair, how the NHS functions. But I guess these people have spare time when there is no one who's got a, a leg or an arm that needs plastering, and so they they basically made bits of art uh, with 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 the the leftover right. plaster, and this was sort of decorated around the room, so to speak. And uh, but one of one of the people there had had, had obviously taken some plaster and painted on it. And and it was it was a really interesting. It was a picture of Jesus, or, or as they saw Jesus, and on it they'd written, "We plaster, he heals," uh-huh. and, and I kind of liked that because it sort of set for me as a Christian minister. A context for that, because I thought, well, actually, yeah, this is a health professional who's saying this. And of course, they're absolutely right. All all that anybody does when they put your arm in plaster is basically hold it in place while the natural processes of your body um, do the healing. And again, we can have a massive conversation about whether God implanted those natural processes in in our bodies from day one or whether God miraculously intervenes. Um, And I've heard stories of both. But what I think it said to me is that you do not need to set these two things in opposition to each other. Um, that we can both use the brains and the intelligence and the, the human capacity to build institutions of goodness, which is what I would describe the NHS as, as its best. Um, and that doesn't need to be in conflict with with praying and, and with, with seeking God's intervention at the same time. And although and I, I'll never know who that plastering technician was, but that was a really helpful moment for me in my own journey because it gave me confidence to do both.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and as, I mean, as somebody who's, uh, worked in and around the NHS, uh, for 33 years, that, that, um, to me, it's all God at work, whether it's in the skill of a surgeon, in the compassion of a nurse, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the insights of a therapist, uh, you know, the comfort of a chaplain or, or, or it's somebody supernaturally uh praying for supernatural healing mm. and often they overlap um as well so you know i i, I don't like the uh, idea that these things it's an either or um to me it's it's god at work and uh god has built the ability to heal within creation and within mm. uh people as i see it but i 'd love to hear what, what has been some of the ways you 've seen healing at work either in your life personally phil or or particularly also as a minister what what have you seen
1: well i 've got to be honest i, I couldn 't describe myself as someone who 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 you would say has a has a, a marvelous healing ministry uh, I certainly don 't go around uh, places and offer myself in that capacity but i 've always I, I guess I am a Baptist at heart that I, I believe that your role is to be a facilitator of the congregation and i 've certainly been in communities where God has been at work in healing, and uh, I mean for me, I, I guess I was thrown in the deep end to some degree because my very early on I, i'm not I think I was still a student actually at college, but my brother asked me if I would go with him um, to basically look after a group of young people that he was taking on a uh, a residential to spring harvest the the big christian uh gathering that, yeah. that used to take place and you know you can imagine that the story here basically he's a youth leader in his local church he's taken a bunch of young people um you, you, you get your accommodation in chalets and they realized they needed a, another pair of grown-ups um in in terms of all the necessary um you know safeguarding and p- parenting and, and everything else and um, a very famous preacher, Reinhard Bonker. I don't know if you've, you've heard of him, oh, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of him, Alistair, I don't know. Well, I even asked you if you'd heard of him. But he was one of the speakers, and of course he has a very, very strong message of seeking God's healing and claiming God's healing. And, and we were in charge of a young 15-year-old boy who had very severe epilepsy, and he'd gone forward for healing, and he'd received prayer, and he'd received laying on of hands... And then he'd gone to a seminar afterwards. Those who'd received prayer were invited if they wanted to go to an, an after gathering, and I went with him because I really wanted to encourage him on his own journey. You know, this is a fifteen-year-old lad who, who I still actually still know, um, and ha- and has you know went on to be a deacon in his local church. So I just wanted to journey with him and encourage him and and, and really encourage him to explore God at work in his life. And we we went through the the seminar and one of the things that was said was, well, if you really want to show your faith, um, act as someone who's been healed. And so this 15 year old lad, we're making our way back to the chalet and he looks at me and he says, Phil, should I take my medication tonight? And I just thought, oh, my goodness, this was a massive call because at one level, of course, I wanted to encourage him. Of course, I wanted to see him step out in faith and and I wanted to see God at work in his life. But I'd signed a piece of paper for his mum and dad who weren't Christians (laughs) to say, I'll look after your son. Um, and I thought, my goodness me, you know, what kind of publicity would it be for a church if, if the appointed youth leader says to this lad, don't take your medication, which, you know, was life dependent for him? And I couldn't answer it. If I'm honest, Alistair, I couldn't answer it. And, and I guess I'm a conservative at heart. So I said, well, let's stick with what we've got for now and, and I'll just pray. But it, I, what I did say was I'll get back to you. And actually, I spent a year. Uh, I actually made it my my final year um, main dissertation at college to try and, and answer that question because I, I could see both sides of it. I wanted to be responsible as a Christian and do a good job of looking after this lad. Mm. Also, wanted to encourage him. And so I think, you know, for me, it's it's therefore my experience has been I, I love the words of Paul test everything. Um, because i think that's a two way statement as an engineer it means make sure it's safe uh, but it also means explore and and so my experience of healing has very much been to say i want to be open to god and i want to, to create a community that is open to god and open to to what god may do and i found myself as as a minister again you know probably only 18 months or so in into ministry when uh, you may remember a thing that was called at the time the Toronto Blessing. Uh, yes, I do. A massive yeah. openness to what God might be doing. And, of course, again, as ever, there were some people in the church who were saying this is absolutely it. And others who were saying, no, this is just the latest folly. And and therefore, for the first time in my life, I'm a minister. I'm I'm the kind of key person in the relationship of this church. And I felt the pressure at one level. I don't want to lead the church into something that is not of God. And equally, I don't want to be the kind of stopper in the bottle that stops God. And so what we decided to do in my typically conservative and cautious way was to say, let's actually put 15 minutes aside to wait on God. Let's, let's wait on God, because in all honesty, if God does nothing in, in, in our contemporary world of busyness, it will do us no harm to just sit and spend 15 minutes in quiet contemplation. So if nothing happens, this won't be a wasted experience. Um, yeah. But equally, let's not make any claims on God. Let's not sort of um, assume anything on God's behalf. Let's be open to God. And and what I began to see um, was a very gradual, but a very gracious and a very real um, kind of mutual ministry. And to me, part of the healing that I was seeing, I I was seeing people's lives um, in in the situation I was in. It was actually very often their emotions and their their mental well-being that God was moving and healing. But I also saw people being healed by praying for others and by being used by God. In that, And and again, one of the classic stories, which I guess is, is very much where I am, is there was a lady who used to come forward every single month um, to have hands laid right. on her hand for prayer. Yeah. And um, it was very clear that this was God was doing something. Um, and again, I, I was very content to be the orchestrator of that, to, to allow others in the church to develop. And not that I wouldn't lay hands and, and pray for people, but I wanted to do that with others and see them develop in their own ministry. And, and after about six months or so, this lady came forward and she said, Phil, can, can I share, can I give some testimony? And I said, well, yeah, of course, you know, so so she did. And she she basically told a story and said, you know, you, you will notice that I come forward every month. Um, and I don't just come forward because I, I kind of, uh, you know, have a, a habit of it. She said, I have suffered with the most awful arthritis for the last six months. And I could not have got through that without the prayers. And I, I have felt God's strength. I felt power. I felt comfort. Um, she said, I've still got arthritis. She said, but two weeks ago, my doctor contacted me and asked me, would I be willing to go on a drugs trial? And I signed up for the drugs trial. And that drugs trial has, has this new drug has totally dealt with my arthritis. Great. What? She said, I could, I just could not have got to the point. God has got me to the point where I was, you know, wh- while that drug was being developed. And, and that to me, again, is, is as much a story of healing as as the stories of people who, yeah, you know, who came forward with um, one guy, particularly uh, with his hands. Um, his hands were, were desperately um, sort of caught again a sort of arthritic condition um and 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 we saw you know he he very, very much was showing me look look what i can do look what i can do but even in that story sorry the what was interesting was when i talked about why he he was in the condition he was he was actually in a job where he was being asked to do stuff with his hands he was basically breaking um cardboard sort of outlines out and making up um sort of these cardboard promotion displays and basically he was being asked to work in in conditions of of, of utter injustice and and while yes i wanted to pray for his healing i also wanted to challenge a situation where his well-being was was so at threat um so so, absolutely it works on many levels and yeah so so you can see his
0: hands heal but you want to do something about the the root cause which is uh poor Hmm. working conditions and People yeah. not being treated properly in the workplace, uh, 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 yeah, and and these things. Uh, it's amazing how God works on these different levels. It's like your your friend with the the drug, the drug before. I mean, when as mm. I say, when there's no doctor who doesn't rejoice when their patient gets healed. If it's you know, even if it's been after prayer, you know, and they, they may not have a grid for it, and they may call it spontaneous remission or whatever, but they're always happy. I think it should be absolutely the same way. If if the if the healing comes from a drug, surgery, whatever, we rejoice because the person that's what it's mm-hmm. about. Love is about seeing the person healed, not about it, it was my way or your way. Surely, yeah.
1: I I love that idea as well about love that that actually our motivation is love, um, and and yeah, I I would totally agree. And I mean, one of the things I found really helpful when I was actually doing my sort of academic. Looking into yes, this, yes, yes, quite a few writers. Um, particularly interestingly, in the 1950s, I was quite surprised at how much was written about this in the 1950s. Oh. Uh, but quite a few of the writers made a distinction between cure and healing. Yes, and I found that really, really helpful because I think very often what we can, you know, what we immediately want is a cure. Um, you know, I've, I've got this. I want it. I want it sorted. But actually, you can be cured and you can still be emotionally bound by your infirmity or you can be cured, but still in the situation of injustice that makes you unwell. And, and, and that's why I like that big picture idea of healing, because God's healing can operate on so many, many levels. You know, healing the ills in society, healing the emotional pain that uh, perhaps has as, as grown up around our physical symptoms. And, I, I mean, you, you will know the NHS better than, than me, uh, Alistair, but I think one of the things I've particularly picked up even in, in recent days with the COVID-19 situation is I think the NHS has a much more holistic view of healing uh, today. It was interesting listening to some people you know, who were saying, well, my job – is to help someone through the trauma because it is very traumatic having a ventilator shoved down your throat and being put onto a catheter and a dozen other things and and my job isn't to to deal with those physical symptoms but it's to recognise that the emotional anguish that someone has been through um, also needs addressing um so yeah i i like that idea of a bigger picture
0: well and i'm it's been fascinating listening to you know intensive care consultants and others and often the key things that call them pain are the ability to connect people with their relatives and the sense of the sense you can tell the sense of wow i was going to say relief joy when they actually manage to get a phone some sort of connection whether it's facetime mm. or something between a patient that they're looking after and the relative is, is you know it's quite humbling to me mm. to hear them speak because they speak with such compassion um about people so so we're absolutely seeing that i, I think it, it it's it's mm. great so so we've heard a bit about your experiences but how, how yeah. do you think healing seen in the wider baptist family
1: well, it's 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 a very it's a very good. I mean, one thing you will know about Baptist Alistair is we, we're almost proud of the fact that we're a very broad church. Indeed. Um, and I, I would certainly say that, you know, even up here in the northwest, I I, I mean, I was talking, actually, we, we have a, a learning group that, that meets every other week on a Monday at the moment. And I was listening to a story there from a couple of elders in one of our Baptist churches, a very clear um Story of a child being unwell and praying for that child and seeing quite um, miraculous intervention, right? Um, and I guess you know, at the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are a little bit sceptical and a little bit reticent, um, and you know, so so it's it's a big picture. But I I hope you know, I, I hope we can be a community of healing um, and and be open to explore. That, in, as we've already talked about today, in every aspect of it. So, I mean, as I said at the very beginning, I don't think you cannot have healing as a key element in your understanding of faith. But I think we express it in lots and lots of different ways. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm very supportive of, of what you're trying to do to particularly focus on, on that sense of prayer and, and how we can look for God to be at work in the here and now. Um, as well as through the processes of our bodies and, and through our human efforts as well, um, and I think you'll see all of that across our Baptist community.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm never stop being surprised uh, when I learn more about uh, b- b- people's practice as well as history and, and things that have happened uh, mm. and are happening. So, uh, I mean, clearly. Uh, both at a church level and individual level you know people people, healing is contentious and painful and difficult for people um yeah what what are the sorts of things that you've seen get in the way and 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 what have you found helpful for getting getting through it i suppose
1: well i i mean to be honest if i take you back to the story i shared earlier um you know one of the things which i think is wholly commendable is is a sense of responsibility yeah um so if i go back to the story i shared 20 odd years on i don't think i would have acted any differently um in in terms of of taking the steps of telling the young lad to stop taking his medication but i think you that's you, a broader... you
0: told him to carry on taking them oh oh absolutely uh, yeah, uh, sorry uh, I yes no that. and yeah, I, so yeah, we i'm always right. very clear about that as advice um, yeah mm-hmm. and, oh no Yes. and then you know if you mm-hmm. believe you're healed you can go back to your doctor and your doctor can check it out mm-hmm. um and uh, because, I mean, I think you're right, the the testing it out, I I don't think we have anything whatsoever to fear from trying to get mm. that objective scientific diagnostic evidence to show what God mm. has done. And if if that healing hasn't yet come, that's fine. We'll keep loving you. We'll keep working together. But, but yeah, no, great. I'm glad. Back yeah. to you. Sorry. Well, it, it,
1: yeah, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, if you look at the Old Testament um, – I think, again, we, we tend to have a much more compartmentalized world view today. Um, huge swathes of Leviticus in Deuteronomy basically give the priest the job as a kind yes. of public health. Yes. Um, so when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, there's a sense of, well, go, go let the doctor check you out. But I mean, I think taking that as a positive thing, you know, I, I, think, I, I think one of the reasons for reticence is because people don't want, you know, if you're unwell and you're feeling fragile, and somebody builds up your expectations um, of, of being healed, and then you're not healed. It can actually be quite harmful. Yes. Um, yes. And, and sadly, you know, I've heard a lot of narratives where we we have this gap, if you like, between what we're praying for and what we experience. and then people really very often will come to one of two conclusions: either I'm utterly worthless, um, because this God doesn't love me enough to heal me." Or or this God isn't what God's cracked up to be. And and so I think that is possibly one of the reasons why people can be reluctant. Because I think, again, we've got this kind of narrow sense of we must pray for X, Y and Z. And, and one of the things I found helpful is to talk about the sovereignty of God and to talk about the sovereignty of God in two dimensions and say, well, if God is sovereign, God certainly has the power over the physical condition or the ailment or whatever it is that we're praying about. But if God is sovereign, God also has the power to choose to say no. Um, and, and so what I try to do is, is is encourage people rather than to raise their expectation, and I know this probably sounds like a very subtle difference, but to raise their belief in what is possible, if that makes sense. right? And offer the situation to God um, so I don't try and prescribe an outcome because I think that that to me is, is, is almost taking God's place. Um, for me, it is about, well, let's pray. Let's always pray. So the young lad that I talked about, um, what I didn't want to do is say, well, either I pray for you or, or you keep on taking your medication. It was no, we're going to do both. Yes. We're going to do both. And so to me, I think one of the things that can um, can inhibit us sometimes is that is that we can be a bit too narrow. And and we 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 I would encourage everyone to pray, um, and and to be open to God and to just lift the situation to God and to bring God into into the story. Um, you know, one of the 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 sort of um, models that I often use when I'm trying to help other people pray is the journey to Emmaus. Yes. Um, where I just kind of say, you know, there's so much going on in that story, but Jesus come, they invite Jesus into the dilemma. <laughs> they invite Jesus into their struggle. Um, but but actually also they had their own, you know, we thought he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And it was to some degree saying, no, that's not the agenda. So it's not, to me, I think there is a difference between inviting God into our struggle and prescribing God's agenda. And I think for some this understanding of healing has almost been defined by well it's prescribing god's agenda and i don't feel able to do that so i'll just back away um and i think coupled with that sometimes we 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 always feel i think it's a western thing we always feel the need to explain everything yeah so there must be an explanation and and i th- i would say pray pray be open to god and don't necessarily assume you need an explanation just be open to god and be open to what god might do amen amen yeah no
0: i i, I have this concept of a mystery box because uh, i long ago worked out i am never going to uh you know as a finite mortal being never going to understand god and god's ways mm-hmm. uh, i might i might know enough to know that he is loving and trustworthy and faithful and therefore if things aren't working out how i think they should do mm. i'm going to trust him i put it in the box called mystery yeah. um mm. because it mustn't stop me praying for the next person who comes along and the next person who comes along because mm. i think if we don't scripture encourages us i think if if we don't keep concentrating on what god is doing rather than what god isn't doing we you know there's a danger we end up in inactivity and passivity when when that isn't what we're called to do so uh
1: yeah yeah i, I think that's a really helpful you know it, it's interesting jesus the synagogue in nazareth which i know is one of the stories that's inspired your has, understanding yeah. But i i often sort of remind people that jesus points out you know there were plenty of other lepers that didn't get healed at the time of naaman um and and so yeah, I think that idea of, of I love that idea of let's let's focus on what God does and not what God doesn't do. Yeah, uh, is a great great way forward.
0: So, f- final question, Phil is is what advice mm-hmm. would you give for church ministers or leaders um, who really want to go further, take take their church into this? You, you were telling us earlier that you gave that fifteen minutes in uh, New yeah. Addington
1: to to God,
0: and and he came. Um well,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, strangely enough. Um, I'd like to think God came other times he as well. But I think, I mean, yes, what I would say is I think you know, God is incredibly gracious and God meets us where we're at. So I would say, actually, first of all, work out where you are. Don't try and be somebody else. Um, if you accept that basic premise, the, the big story and the small story are that God is a God of healing, then just make space for God. And and just, just let God do what God will do. Um, I was interested in reading some of your story, Alistair, that you put yourself in an environment where yeah. the norm... Eventually became what you experienced. Yes, and and so I think create an environment, and, and, and God may just gently build that environment forward. Because not all of us can suddenly rush off to Brazil Indeed. and experience. No, I realise kind of, that. Yeah, in, yeah. In ministry like that, but we can all make space for God. I think the point I made earlier about don't impose expectations and and encourage when you're praying for people, we're bringing God into your story. We're not prescribing an outcome that we're necessarily going to make the, the be all and end all. Something else I think that I've learned over the years, and I, I don't think I said it quite as, as, as astutely at the time. But if you remember, I, I said, you know, actually, it will do us no harm to sit quietly for 15 minutes. But I think I've learned to, to value the prayer. Don't value the outcome, value the prayer. So in praying for someone, it was good that we prayed. Yes. Um, again, coming back to my Emmaus Road model, I, I, I'm caught by those words. Did not our hearts burn within us? And it seems to me that there was a very positive experience simply in having the conversation. Um, and so, again, I would say value the prayer rather than necessarily only value the prayer by its outcomes. Um, and, and I think you know that that to me would be would be the starting place. Make space for God. Don't impose expectations. Just bring God into it. and and value the fact that you've prayed, and and then see what God does, because your faith will grow as you see God at work. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you so much for your time. I've really appreciated it. Mm
1: -hmm. Not at all. Well, thank you for for dropping in, and uh, yeah, it'd be good to talk to you again sometime. God bless. Thanks a lot. God bless you. Cheers.
0: I really appreciated the opportunity to talk with Phil Uh, I think you can hear his passion and his heart, but also that kind of wise pastoral heart. Uh, For those of you who are particularly part of the Baptist family in the UK, uh, you'll know that Yinka Oyakan, who we interviewed in episode one, is now the president of the Baptist Union. And this year, his big emphasis is on how do we grow from here? Uh, And if you go to his website, which has got that name, and you can find all sorts of links from the Baptist Union of Great Britain website, um, you can get to his website, and one of the streams is around healthy healing that I'm leading. And in there, you'll find a bunch of resources if you sign up. We're offering uh, online coaching, we're offering uh, teaching, we're offering activation days, and there's also links to some um, of the Emmaus Road prayer material that Phil referenced in his talk So I encourage you to look that up. Uh, Hopefully it's a real resource to help us demonstrate together as the family of God, as the community of God in local areas, the church, God's love and reaching out to people. So uh, please look that up. This week now, we're going to move on. We've got a great testimony from Samba of how she prayed and saw God work. Uh,
2: Thanks. I have a business called STARS, Special Tutoring and Respite Services here in Berkshire. One of my clients is 17 and has epilepsy. Last year, they spent half of the time between February and June in hospital because of frequent and really severe seizures. I felt God wanted me to pray for this young person's healing from epilepsy. So I spoke to the mum who's not a churchgoer and she agreed that I could provided her her child didn't know about it. So on the 21st of June, This was last year. I arrived at their house to find they'd just had another tonic-clonic seizure. So mum asked me to stay with the young person while she showered and packed to go to hospital. I knelt down at the young person's bedside and put my hand lightly on their foot. And I prayed in tongues for about half an hour, quite quietly. They were recovering from the seizure, so they weren't really aware of what I was doing. Um, And since that day, they have not had another seizure. It's now 11 and a half months. And I just praise God. They also haven't had to go back to hospital after that one. They did stay in hospital after that because they'd already called the ambulance. Um, But since then, she has not had to stay in hospital again. So praise God for his mercy on this family and his healing.
0: Thanks, Samba. What an encouraging story of how, as believers, we can just reach out and pray for folks. Um, as God puts them in front of us and now a question so uh, a friend of Paul Maureen who you've heard from before and has shared her testimony asked a really good question which is what degree do you think healing is a spiritual gift and only is around when the Holy Spirit is operating in a certain way and to what extent is it about um, people standing on the word of God and the authority of the word of God, what Maureen calls word faith? Uh, I think this is a great question and um, we could actually talk about this for hours, but it's, it, is, it is true that God does not heal in only one way um, and whether it's the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit moving and we get to cooperate with him whether it's because we exercise the authority that he's given us as believers in um, healing people, because that's what we were commanded to do, and in prayer, or whether it's a believer standing on the word of God and affirming and aligning themselves with truth of who Jesus is and what he's like, then, then there are lots of different ways. In fact, um, I've collected in the book my book, and actually subsequently over 40 ways that we've seen God heal. But undoubtedly, I think um, what you're pointing to, Paul, Maureen, is really important. This aligning ourselves with truth, standing on scripture and declaring us. Um, I'm going to be releasing another uh, bonus episode of the pod with some testimonies in them, including from Karen. And Karen's testimony is amazing because in it, she shares how she had a prophetic word that her life was like a ball of different colored um, bits of wool and that God wanted to unravel it as she as she dealt with the issues that she, God raised in her life, in the word, in in scripture, in her prayer, as people brought them in prophecy. And as she dealt with this, she got to a point where the fundamental issues about identity and emotional and spiritual healing in her self were addressed, and it led to the most dramatic physical um, healing. So um, great question. I think we're going to be exploring that one further in the weeks to come as well. Thanks very much for listening to this week's episode of the Equip to Heal podcast. We want to encourage and equip Christians to move forward in the Christian healing ministry. My name is Alistair Mitchell-Baker and I have a heart to see every church in the UK and beyond moving into healing, whatever that looks like in the beauty and diversity of the church. May God bless you and be with you this week in Jesus' name.